Hello everyone, welcome to the Academic Hell House. I am your host Clayton. I am joined as always by my co-host Ryan. Howdy everybody. So, uh, right before we went on, or yesterday, hey, uh, we heard a about the mass shooting in El Paso. But in our opinion, we the event is a bit too fresh. We're waiting on things to cool down, and we'll talk about it in a future episode, or what I'm going to refer to as shots, which will be small, short, little episodes during the week, where we'll cover whatever, basically, we want to. Other than that, that, uh, that is all we have to say on the matter for now. Oh, so, Ryan, what are you drinking? Um... Well, today I'm having a Paul Warner Hefeweizen, uh, straight from the German heartland of Munich. A uh, personal favorite of mine. I tend to go with them. Any chance I pick real beer. Uh, how about yourself? I am, as you know, not much of a beer drinker. <laughs> so I am drinking Angry Orchard. That's alright, you know. I forgive you. Thousands of years of beer making people forgive you. <laughs> but will God forgive you? Eh, he's a, I'm already on his shit list. True That's enough. Real here. True enough. All right. Well, not to put, uh, you know, people do so love our banter, but I suppose it's uh, we decide we get down to what we're talking to today. What are All you right. feeling? Uh, let's talk border wall. Ooh, yes, build that wall, make the- America great again. They definitely don't tunnel. Yes, I'm I'm excited for this. This will be good. All right, let's start with why this is such a hot-button issue, first off, and why it matters to so many people. Oh, boy. For me personally, I think basically unfettered illegal immigration has shown to be a massive detriment to not only the culture of America as a whole, but to the job market. Where once young teens could go to a construction site or get a get low paying no skill work they can't and that's that floor has been cl- closed off to them due to massive illegal immigration um, you know I, I, I see where you're coming from there but as a whole um, being a young person in the job market today sucks no matter what level you're on I mean I, I you have a bachelor's degree in history I have a bachelor's degree in history and the academy still won't take either one of us to do anything with history. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you're a construction worker, um, low sk- low unskilled labor, um, or an academic like we are. Well, I use that term very loosely. Um, I think we insulted some people there. Oh, yes. There's someone with a PhD who will be writing us an angry tweet. Which, while we're on the subject, we do have a Twitter and a Facebook page. Look us up at Academic Alehouse. He will read your comments. I am immune to all of you. You will never find me. <laughs> That being said, um, 50 I think, bucks to the first person who can find him. Ugh, you don't have that kind of money. You're a, you <laughs> are a history major. Don't believe his lies. Back to the issue at hand. Um, I believe that no matter where you're at in the job market right now, unless you have something highly specialized or a rock-solid plan that hits absolutely no potholes, <clears throat> the rich, <clears throat> uh, rich parents tend to help. Um, rich parents, luck, and just a little bit of skill. Um, everybody's having a pretty hard time in the job market. Even with the economy on the uptick, uh, there's just an oversaturation. we got too many degrees, too many 
too many people skilled, but not skilled in anything that people need. We need plumbers, not academics. We have a lot of academics. How does illegal immigration really tie into those entry-level problems? Well, you can't find entry-level positions anymore, especially in low to no-skill labor markets because of illegal immigration, because they work for cheap. That being said, I mean, when I was 16, at the height of the Obama administration, maybe, I'm not sure if that was that long ago, that was definitely after Bush. Anyway, we won't get into how old I am. Um, I'm, as a high schooler, broke and pretty free-timey, was able to walk into the nearest McDonald's and get a job. I don't see a whole lot of illegal immigrants working in your typical teenage jobs, which, honestly, bulk of those things is going to be the restaurant industry. How do illegal immigrants th- honestly affect But really, the I, think, I think it's more of a regional thing as well. You, you, where we were, or as teens, illegal immigrants weren't that common, at least not super visibly. I grew up in San Antonio. <laughs> I mean, where I was, at least. You grew up in Houston. That's not that far away. I grew up in Katy. That's still Houston. Now, there's, now we're going to get some angry tweets. There's some Houstonites who be very offended by that. <laughs> the point is, we're right, as far as anyone from New York or up north is concerned, we're right on the border. Yeah. Um, if the illegal immigrant wave isn't affecting teenagers, or at least when we were teenagers, here of all places, then where would it be? I think it's hitting states that are less potent with their immigration laws. California, Arizona, uh, uh, New Mexico. Um, El Paso is sort of a bad bad one for illegal immigration. Um, it's right. known to have a problem. You know, but I've been to is, Fort Bliss a couple times. It's a little different in El Paso. Yeah, there's this is a more regional thing, but it does hurt. Or the job market overall. All right. Especially when they start going north. And, um, and you know, if anyone has any experience with this, some input, please do look us up on Twitter, Facebook, post your comments. Uh, perspective is what makes truth. So, definitely give us your feedback on that. All right, that I means... promise we'll try not to plug anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. But that being said, where we're at, we are in what could be considered a hotbed of where, where they come through. Yeah. Uh, Highway 35, less than 20 minutes from where we now sit. Mm-hmm. Um, the corridor of immigration, drugs, um, where yeah. it all comes through. And Highway 10, which is less than 20 minutes, way less than 20 minutes, um, right there. These things probably pass by us every day, but we don't see it. Um, we were watching a TV show earlier, um, Orange is the New Black. Yeah. Where their argument, and it was an argument, there was definitely a message to be taken from some of the episodes that immigrants used to be unseen and could live in prosperity until the Republicans came along. Now, that is a I, whole discussion I'm yeah, sure we're I don't, ready to I have. don't think that's true. I think every president for, I think since probably H.W. has promised to be more strict on border control, more... Or, more deportations, we need to reform immigration, Some, something along those lines has always been promised. I think Trump's just the first person to actually get up off his ass and do something about it. Is he, or is he the first person to say the same thing in an era of social correctness? Um, 
and and that is it. The demographic and the mentality of the American people today is not the mentality of the American people in the 90s. That's true. This is an era where if you say deport the Mexicans, you are immediately a racist. Um, now, whether that's right, whether that's wrong, not the topic of today's discussion. But Whereas in the 90s, what is that, 20, 20 years ago? Almost. Maybe even 25. We'll say almost 25. Almost 30. <laughs> Good lord. Oh, no, it is, it is almost 30. Uh, I just felt my hair gray a little. Um, but you said that back then, and you may have been, you know, kind of Newt Gingrichy. Mm-hmm. Anyone remember him? Anybody? Anyway. Um, I see hands. <laughs> but you weren't considered anything out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, so taking into account that society as we know it has shifted in its mentality you know, to the left, especially on social labeling, uh, social circles oh, yeah. acceptance tolerance uh, as you know you know yeah. it's, it's a whole new world out there right now have the politicians changed or has the system changed out from underneath them is Don, Donald I Trump is he doing bigger, I think that's a bigger issue than just the border wall but but is Trump saying anything now granted he's not saying it anywhere near as eloquently but is he saying anything that hasn't already said been said before I don't think so, but I think the, what gives him more credit is that he's actually done something about it. Well, it's a hot-button issue, so yeah. everything he does makes front-page news. Mm-hmm. And we would have to actually look up um, what past administrations what have done. I know yeah. Clinton Clinton had that uh, very iconic photo of the, of the Cuban child. You know the one I'm talking mm-hmm. about. What was his name? Uh, Elian? Elian? I don't remember his name, but I remember the photo of uh, the man with like the MP5 and all of his SWAT gear and the kid hiding in the closet crying. Uh, I feel like that won an award. Mm. That was under Clinton. Uh, deporting a Cuban, deporting you know a Frenchman, someone yeah. from Mexico, the Honduras. It, it's all the same. It's all the same process. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I, I think we have changed, and I think D.C. has not. Um, so things that were okay under Clinton, H.W., Bush and even let's say first term of Obama mm-hmm. just aren't okay. Yeah. So is the border wall really the issue or is DC not changing with the times the issue? It could very well be both, I think. But uh, honestly, there's a side there's another side to this and that's how illegal immigration hurts Mexico as well. Well, the world, really. Yeah. Um the, the because uh, looking at it geographically and resources wise geographically Mexico should be a hub of trade not just in not just American trade but global trade it's so centrally located it with access to both the Pacific and Atlantic oceans well the Gulf but yeah this is a country that should be one of the most booming economies in the world. But it's not. No, because it has a cancer, and that cancer is drug cartels. Um, taking into consideration that the drug cartels are pretty powerful forces. Yeah. Um, and control entire regions of the country. Um, of course it's not prosperous. Unless, and the thing is, is the cartels probably have some of the best logistics you'll mm-hmm. ever see. Better than any corporation or... Um, any country because that's what it is it's essentially a corporation um, the cartels and their millions of prosperity are what could be Mexico but the problem is 
nothing happens in Mexico without the cartels knowing about it. And the cartels will eliminate politicians. The cartels will stop anything that hurts their bottom line. Mm -hmm. A prosperous Mexico does not equal profit for the cartels. So we can sit here and say it's Mexico's fault, but I, the people not, have I'm money. not saying it's Mexico's fault. Yep. I'm saying that Mexico has a problem where it is very rich in resources, very centrally located, it, that what it should be and what it is are very opposing things. And looking back at its history, we can find just an endless, basically an endless source of conflict and, but on top of that, because the people of Mexico keep moving away and won't revolt against their own government and won't overturn and push out the cartels. But how do you do that? First of all, Mexico, very strict gun control, some, somehow. Um, very strict for the people who live there. They can't just go buy an AK-47 down at the shop like you can here. Um Although the cartels seem to get them in pretty easily. Mm -hmm. So the cartel, heavily armed, well-funded. The Mexican government, heavily armed, probably not well-funded. How do you eliminate, how do you rebel against what essentially amounts to two armies? I mean... Two. How, how, it's, do, how do it's the people... It's going to take live? a lot of bodies. But and, that's and exactly honest. it. Would you, how many people would honestly say... I'm going to go and get myself killed for a better Mexico when they can simply, you know, and it's not a simple process. The The process of illegally immigrating to the United States is actually no. horrific. Yeah. Uh, they, there's a lot of people who disappear out there. But they're willing to take that risk. They'll risk death doing that to come to the United States to make money to wire mm -hmm. it home. Um, but they're not willing to get into an armed conflict. And that's not anything. And it's more the fact that the U.S. is a political pressure valve for Mexico. What should be a growing, basically peasant revolt is continually stymied by the fact that the people that should be will, should be stirred into a frenzy by a, a middle-class idealist mm -hmm. or populist are continually moving out. Or being and then forced the, into the cartels. Exactly. And then the cartels eliminate the populist, thus killing the revolt at its source. And, and that is something I was actually going to circle around to, is anyone who stands in the way of their money-making operation, the cartel kills. Exactly. Anyone who wouldn't illegally immigrate and would stay in Mexico to try to wreak havoc, uh, attack government convoys, which would mean more government troops... Um, to do any of the things you've got to do to make a revolution effective mm -hmm. um, would be killed by the cartel because all that conflict in their, in their territory saps their resources. Yeah. So how do you eliminate a cancer that powerful? Exactly. It, it, Especially as someone growing up in rural Mexico who may not have access to education, who may not know how to successfully... We know how to start a successful revolt because mm -hmm. we got four-year degrees that basically told us Revolution 101. We know it, it feels like common knowledge, but to someone who's lived in a village in Mexico all their life may or may not know how to read, may or may not have access to information. How do we expect them to essentially conquer two systems, the cartel system and the government system, when everybody there lives in fear, everybody there is you know, not particularly prosperous? Mm -hmm. 
how can there be a peasant revolt when there's two groups of people very interested in a peasant revolt not happening? It's it's it seems insurmountable, especially even here. I mean, I'm sitting behind you have three, four, five bookshelves on how to effectively wage a war, and I'm at a loss on how you would conquer such a system. When it, or you could pack your family up, you can pay the cartel five thousand dollars per person to get a two day pass, and this is how they work. So you pay the cartel whatever sum they ask for a two-day document, and you drive across that border, mm-hmm. never to be seen again. And that's how a majority of them do come yeah. over. They pay, they save up their everything they've got. They pay, they pay a two-day visa, and then they're never seen again. They drive right into the United States. So with that said, and on how the majority of immigrants get here, let's talk about those that get caught. Oh boy. <laughs> and the recent comparison. To the detainment camps that have been set up along the border. And uh, everyone who's listening is going to hear me go off on a rant here. Um, I have spent many years, since I was at least in the sixth grade, reading about World War II, the Holocaust, Hitler, the whole nine yards, to call the detention camps um, on our border concentration camps is an insult. It's an insult to the people who died in the Holocaust. It's an insult to the people who lived through the Holocaust. And it's an insult to the reality of the situation. The problem that I see is that our media is so obsessed with using buzzwords without thinking of their implications. Concentration camp, Hitler, Nazi, racist, etc., etc., etc. By calling these things concentration camps, they do many things. But most importantly, they minimize the suffering of the, of the Jewish people, the gypsies, the invalids, the, um, everything else, who were murdered under the Nazi regime. These people went through horrors that I'm astounded anyone survived through. I'm actually holding a book here by Doris Bergen about the genocides in World War II. It's called War and Genocide. It was assigned to me uh, in a class when we were in college. And just flipping through these chapters randomly, there's stories of the Nazis loading handicapped people up into a van and hooking the exhaust up into that van so that when they drove, they essentially gassed these people with CO2. Now, while absolutely the conditions of these border camps is nothing short of a disgrace to the United States, they are not concentration camps because we are not systematically killing millions of people. And if there's proof otherwise, you know, show me. I'm more than willing to change my point of view. But to call these things concentration camp is borderline anti-Semitic. It is minimalizing one of the worst calamities of human history. Um, And it's being used as a a buzzword. And that's that's an insult to the memory of the people who died. Um, The the situation in the camps absolutely needs to be fixed. Disease running rampant, food being subpar... Um, conditions being, I mean, crowded. Yeah. Absolutely, this needs to be reformed, but you will not get any serious discussion on this issue if you continue to sensationalize the issue. Of course not. We have a problem it needs fixed versus you're a racist Nazi who's running a Mexican concentration camp. Which one do you think is more likely to get the people who are currently in control into a dialogue? And we, of the American people, are so focused on buzzwords and retweets and going with our party. Virtue signaling, basically. Virtu- well, virtue signaling for both sides, yes. Mm-hmm. But we're so caught up in party that we forgot the country. And uh, cracking another one. Yep. Probably just broke somebody's eardrum with that. 
Head, anyway. Rip headphone users. <laughs> but uh, to call these concentration camps upsets me because I have met Holocaust victims. I have met German soldiers who fought in World War II when I was working at a prisoner of war camp uh, museum. I actually met some prisoners. Um, I've met veterans who have seen these camps, and even when they were 90 years old, just thinking about them made them sick. I've seen all of these things in my time when I was working in museums and writing papers and just for my own curiosity to call what's going on down there the equivalent of what the Nazis did. It disgraces the people saying it. It tarnishes the memory of the people who lived through it. And more importantly, it minimalizes the people who died. Yes, the immigration camps need to be fixed and brought up to a code that is human. But is it a concentration camp? Absolutely not. And um, uh, people who want to enlighten themselves, the information's out there. But I think nothing would be better. And I would love to see the first politician who listens to our podcast to do is to visit our detention center on the border, border and then go visit Auschwitz. Make it a weekend. Compare the two. I feel like there's some fundamental differences. Uh, I'm surprised the Jewish community as a whole is not absolutely outraged by the media's reckless usage of the word concentration camp. Um, that's my rant on this. Like I said, I've spent many hours reading about the horrors of these camps, and to hear them be trivialized <laughs> by people who I'm not entirely sure are educated, but are definitely allowed on TV, um, it, it really sets me on fire, and it should set the the academy, the the history community as a whole, uh, should should I feel should be pretty offended by by these by the tawdry use of the word concentration. Well, yeah. <laughs> it, it, but they we do, have to we they have to do decide. tend to bend one way. On Maybe, the, but we have to decide what's important: the memories of the people who died or current political objectives. Now, the Academy can make its choice, but I choose to stand by the people who did die through a systematic genocide. These are people who need to be remembered and not have their legacies tarnished by news pundits. And I'm not actually sure what they're called. I don't watch network news anymore. But but the talking heads. You know, they get four of them in a room. They all yell at each other. What is that called? I, don't I actually don't know. Yeah, me neither. Propaganda, if it's CNN <laughs> or MSNBC. Or, let's be real, it's, it's Fox, just the other way. Fox, yeah. I, I, I can't be honest and say no. I have not seen Fox be not propagandistic. <laughs> if, if we're being honest. And, and I think honesty is probably what's important with us. As much as I may agree with a couple of things Fox says, and even something CNN says... They are respectively catering to an audience. Yeah. Each of them. Now, people who listen to both will say, no, it's, you know, it's not that bad. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. I've yet to see a news network that's not pandering. So it's their goal to sell you news. You to fear Which sells. why, by and large, in general, I don't get my news from major networks. I get it from independent creators. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, throwing a little shout out there. One of my Tim favorites. Pool. Um, Tim Pool's a a good one. Um, I me. actually have a page on Facebook I follow, Nationwide Unrest. It tends to keep the conjecture out. Um, there's a little spin, I think, towards the center right. Maybe a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I've noticed that when I've... But by and large, you're going to get mostly just, hey, this is happening. Yeah. And, and I want to figure it out for myself. I don't want to be told what to think. I don't want to be told how to feel. And that's the problem I have yeah. with our media. 
and anyone who is going to become a regular listener is going to hear me go on and on and on about the talking heads yeah. in the media. I, I legitimately feel they're and not our friends. I have one more, if y'all, for YouTube. Who? Uh, Sticks, Hex, and Hammer. If you're not into 10 to 12 minute videos like Tim Pool tends to do, who? Sticks, Hex, and Hammer, or 666, on YouTube, on BitChute, basically everywhere. Uh, seven to nine minute videos. You can listen to them in your car. Or he does four videos a day. He's great. Uh, tends to have more libertarian views, but uh, four videos a day. Four videos a day. Wow. Five or six if he's doing like garden stuff. And I would do that, but I have a job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're not there yet, right? But, yeah. <laughs> but since we're we're doing immigration, let's talk about the mass migration into Europe and how that has majorly affected European Europe as a whole. You know, I'm glad you brought that up um, because in the early years, and I think it was about 2015, I remember writing a, a paper for it as a freshman about the, the migration going on in Europe at the time. Um, it started off the same way. Uh, Europe was pretty closed off. There were people getting in on boats, though. There were, there were boat people coming in from North Africa. And um, I remember expressly the breaking point for Europe was there was a picture of a, of a little boy, a toddler, who washed up on a beach after his boat sank, a migrant boat sank, dead. Um, and that picture flooded European media. It, I mean, it reached all the way up to Angela Merkel herself. And at that point, Merkel made a remark that basically said, come to Germany. And they flooded in. Now, you have some states that held out. Um, it's not Austria-Hungary anymore. It's Austria and Hungary. I'm a little... A little behind the times on that one. Um, you had Hungary holding them off. You had Poland pretty much holding them off. Eastern the, the Europe, Eastern, by and large. The Eastern Bloc, for the most part. The but, Eastern Bloc, who have seen... Pro who would arguably have seen the source of this ideal and said, we lived under this for 60 years? 70 in some cases? Well, maybe, but you could also and chalk it up to the Eastern Europeans grew up with not a whole lot under 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 the communist bloc. There wasn't enough to share. Yeah. Uh, you looked out for you and yours, and you tried to survive communism. Whereas in the West, especially after the Wirtschaftswunder uh, in Germany, um, the, the economic boom, mm -hmm. where you had Volkswagen cranking out cars, BMW, the German, really West Germany built its economy up under the Marshall Plan, um, there was plenty to go around. Yeah. So you will, and you know, Germany as a whole in the East and the West, where the, right where the wall was, you can see the divide in opinion. Mm -hmm. The Eastern Bloc is going to be a little more conservative because they grew up with nothing and yet they stayed and made it work. So why are they going to want people who come in who didn't stay and make it work? They rebuilt their countries after Russia left, Soviet yep. Russia. Why are they going to, with open arms, welcome people who don't bother to stay in their country and rebuild it? Now, granted, civil war and all that stuff, mm -hmm. but how is that different than the Yugoslav breakup or the Balkan Wars. All of these people stayed in their countries for the most part. There was no wave of immigrants quite like what we have right now. But what can be drawn from this is uh, Europe, and I have uh, quite a few German friends, and they all have different opinions on the migrants, but one of them said something that's very profound, and I think it should give everyone here perspective. He said, the American left in Europe would be considered the right. Yeah, and the American yeah. right in Europe would be under surveillance. Yeah, I've heard I've heard that 
sentiments expressed like that so more than once, keeping especially where those, from European content creators. Right, right. So keeping those goalposts kind of in that perspective, Europe, Western Europe opened up to the migrants, much like some far left and, well, middle left, far left. Where, where, where are we at on that right now? Uh, is that a far knows? left view or is it back to the center? Who knows? Honestly, I've lost track. Someone can correct me if they want. I'm sure we'll get a stickler in somewhere. Um, but they let all the migrants in, yeah. which is what someone, you know, a sizable group of people want to do here. What's happened in Europe um, has been pretty interesting, simply because um, they're still in camps. They haven't integrated. They've had a spike in crime. Um, Major spike in crime. Especially uh, against women. Uh, if you remember the Cologne. Oh, the yes. Cologne. New Year's Day, Cologne, right. Germany. Um, there's that to consider. Um, but according to every German I speak to, for the most part, with the exception of, I have like two friends who are part of what's called AFD, Alternative for Deutschland, Germany, who are well, closer to the American center. So, you know, very far right for Germany. Um, who say, you know, throw them all out and burn down the tent cities. Um Oh, also it's created a rental crisis. The government has mm -hmm. been buying out spare property and sticking migrants in and apartments and everything. So it's actually caused the price of uh, rent, rent to go up. To go up. Yeah. Um, which, you know, makes sense economically. But these are all problems that were tackled because without a word of caution, without any preparation, they let waves of people in. Now on top of that, and I have one friend who uh, laid this out for me quite nicely, um, Germany has a very stringent system on jobs. You have to do apprenticeships. Like, There's a reason German quality is touted. If you want to go work in a car factory, mm -hmm. I could go to Chattanooga, Tennessee right now and walk in and say, hey, let me work in a car factory. There's a good chance I get the job. Whereas in Germany, you have to do apprenticeships and tests and very German, very German. Yeah. Someone from the Middle East goes and tries to get a job. How are they supposed to? They worked in a car. They worked fixing cars for 30 years in, you know, Raqqa. Mm-hmm. And they go to Germany and they're going to get treated like an apprentice because in the German job ladder, they don't have... They don't have so what they need. they're getting treated like a 15-year-old kid learning how to fix cars. Why are they going to stand there and take that? Yeah. Which I, you know, I wouldn't like that. I mean, you know, if someone came and started teaching me World War II history like I was a fourth grader, I'd be pretty offended. I think there's another issue and uh, uh, I'm not really equipped to handle it and honestly I saw a video by a Sargon of Akkad and I'm sorry everyone I'm plugging my favorite YouTubers here oh boy he basically broke down an interesting philosophy that the German people as a whole have and it's really interesting and I'm not going to go into details here but it is worth the watch if you're interested Oh, okay. But, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. thought that you were going somewhere with that one. But it, basically, the video he posed, he said, he made, posits that the German people look at themselves as German. As we... The, it's a difference in philo, philo, philosophy. Because... Mm -hmm. The German people look at themselves as we Germans, where uh, you and I would say, I'm American. Americans believe themselves to be, are this way. Or an Englishman is this way. 
some national stereotyping. Of. Yeah, kind of. But the difference is, is our er, mm-hmm. sort of phrasing of that is objective. Americans, or as an American, mm-hmm. or the American people, well, is objective. It's sort of basically he posits that it the West has grown up with the philosophies of people like John Locke, Locke, uh, Thoreau, Milton, people that basically po- posited that the individual was the state, was the society and the state. Mm-hmm. That was how the things were. But Germany was born out of pe- people like Hegel. Who said, the society and the state are the same. Interesting. Well, yeah, and you also have he to goes take in, in, He uh, goes into further detail in the video, but you have to I'm, take into I'm account not as the, equipped. And, well, when it comes to Germany, I am. You have to take into account that Germany was born out of a collection of states uh, yeah. unified under the Prussians. The Prussians and their military culture, the Prussians and their militarism, their nationalism, their... their um, Desire to be England, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so when World War Two ended and we crushed that militarism, that heritage, that pride, that nationalism, which we did, where do you to build a whole culture in the twentieth century over again? To basically start from scratch, which is what and, Germany did. And I did. would argue they haven't yet done that. Exactly. Who are the Germans? And I would say that cultural guilt seems to be a theme for Germany. Oh, by absolutely. And large. Absolutely. Um, to this day, uh, they just recently, in the last few years, authorized Hitler's book Mein Kampf to be read. Um, Nazism was banned in all of its forms across Europe. Mm-hmm. To display a swastika would mean the Pulitz I would come to cart you away. Um, that's worth noting. Uh, the German education system and the German people are brought up to believe that what they did in World War Two was criminal and they don't really talk about World War One, which is sad because I, I do a lot of reading on World War One, as you know uh, yeah. they don't really talk about it but it's kind of lumped in yeah uh, but after 1945 the, everything that the Prussians had built up from you know, hundreds of years was crushed dismantled as we speak the state of Kaliningrad formerly Prussia is a Russian quasi-territory. It's still being held. No one knows what to do with it. It was dissolved in 1946, 47. And everyone who lived there was carted off to Siberia. Side note. Uh, Very Russian thing to do. Mm -hmm. But how do you rebuild a culture? And if you're rebuilding a culture on guilt, is it actually an irrational thing that when someone says, these people need help, the West has done something wrong to these people because there's a lot of belief that the United States and the European Union and NATO are why the Middle East is destabilized. You've done something bad. How are you going to help? Is it any actual shock that Germany lets everybody in? Is the way it is. I don't don't think so. Because at one point, Germany was the broke man of Europe. Mm -hmm. Eastern Germany when the wall came down and everybody was let in with open arms. That's, That's what Merkel was alluding to. Um, 
But I don't think they got what they thought they were getting yeah. by letting these people in. Because when you let West Germans in with East Germans, at the end of the day... They're all Germans. They have relatively similar cultural views and principles. Language. Language is a big one. But you're inviting people who have very different backgrounds. Right. Grew up in a very, an extremely different political system. Mm-hmm. This is This is not the divide between... In our right and left versus European right and left. This is is our this is the extreme right in America facing off against the European left. And, and we're talking about a major like a divide so large that I don't think even assimilation would largely fix it. Well, and that's the interesting thing is Middle Eastern culture is a very complex thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially since the fall of the Ottoman Empire. Um, but I think we're <laughs> before we get into that, <laughs> I think we're drifting a little bit. A so little let's bit. get back on topic. So we spoke a little bit about World War Two. Right. And as we know, Trump is the new Hitler. Allegedly. Let so let's talk about hyperbole versus what's actually happening. Oh boy, so I'm going to say something that's probably going to get us banned on at least like three podcast sites, but I, I, I absolutely believe it. To call Trump Hitler is an insult to Hitler. Let me explain. Hitler was extremely well-spoken. Yes, he was a populist candidate, but he was a political genius. What he did to seize control of Weimar Germany and turn it into Nazi Germany is not something I could believably see Donald Trump having the mental capacity to do. I have heard the man speak. I have heard Hitler speak. Hitler was very well spoken. I have read his book, Mein Kampf. It's very well laid out. Now, I haven't made it through Art of the Deal yet. It's not the same. Hitler was a war... Ask yourself this. Hitler was a war veteran, vegetarian, socialist, and, and he was, who believed in... No one will believe that Hitler was a socialist. What did they think the S and... Anyway, don't, don't ask. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole. I will go on all day. Who believed in extending rights for the workers, state-sponsored, state-paid-for vacations, paid vacations, paid maternity leaves for two, three months, all of these great sweeping social programs, um, government control of economic output, which was very common for the time, and all of these things. Now, you tell me if someone with a similar platform well-spoken, supported the military, vegetarian who believed in universal health care, state-paid vacations, maternity leave, who didn't drink and was just basically an all-around good guy, ran for president, that they wouldn't be able to capture a fair percentage of the vote here. Oh, definitely. That's my point. 100%, especially now. And that's exactly... populism on the rise. And that's exactly my point. If he had been by any other name... We could easily fall into the same trap that the Germans did. People look back on Nazi Germany with a sense of, oh, how could you? It's it was, very It is yeah. not elite to go from where we are to but I think, a populist con man take you for a ride and destroy your country. But I think what's worse is that Hitler gets a bad rap. Like, Hitler gets blamed for everything. Oh, yeah, he's but the butt in, end of every job. But in reality, the situation in Germany, especially after the crash in 29, mm-hmm. was awful. Mm-hmm. Anyone, anyone could have been the guy. It just happened to be him. Well-spoken, Austrian-born, who knew how to play a crowd. Exactly. Now, granted, yes, anyone, Trump can play a crowd, 
But he's no Hitler. Like I said, Hitler was... He had his finger on the pulse of Germany. Exactly. And don't get me wrong, Trump has a Tr- powerful Trump. power base. He has his finger on some of the country. Um, more of the country than the opposition. But he doesn't have the political savvy that Adolf Hitler have to subjugate an entire nation right under its nose. To call him Hitler is giving him major intelligence points. But that's the problem where we get into the hyperbole. Concentration yeah. camps. Hitler. It's the most evil thing anyone can Racism. think of. Racism. Well, you know, that playing ties on, into it. Playing on white guilt, basically. Right, but everyone tries to make every situation, everything, the worst possible thing, which is why Nazism will never die. Yeah. Um, because people keep making it the ultimate bad guy. And there's always, always, always somebody... Who wants to play the bad guy. Exactly. So if we keep we keep Nazism alive by comparing it to things that it, aren't it's Nazis. the same with racism. Sure. We keep racism alive by simply acknowledging race exists. By saying everybody is who cares what color you are, just come work for me or come be my friend or or whoever whatever else, racism dies. But there are concerned parties who need these things to exist. Exactly. But the point being, I, I don't like media hyperbole. I don't like Twitter frenzies. I don't like these things because they take very serious things and they trivialize them. Just like the rant I went on earlier. Yep. To call Trump Hitler insults Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I've heard the man speak. It's just no. Mm-hmm. No. Now there are similarities. He's a populist. But if you call any populist Hitler... Hitler, it's... It's a lot of people. Yeah. It's a lot of people. And let's talk about views. I mean, I kind of went over some of these. I don't feel like Trump, who's not a war veteran, will any day adopt socialized medicine or maternity leave or Mm -hmm. any of those things. But he does, and I will give this, want to build up the military, so they share that. I, I don't like these connections to historic figures. Yeah. Um, and it's never good. Like you never It's never a positive connection. Well, they tried to play Trump up to be Reagan, but I you know, and I'll say I don't it. see it, honestly. And I don't think Reagan was a lot of things. But yeah. Reagan, Trump, Apples oranges. Personally I don't I I don't they know were T V stars. About Reagan to be Reagan was a TV star, Trump is a TV star. You got that going for you, but Reagan yeah. was pretty good at economics. Uh, yeah, I, but I've been let's talk about Hyperbole versus fact, focus refocusing again. <laughs> Zoom in, right, right. On the board. Oh boy. Well, which way? Where do we want to start? With the right or with the left? Uh, let's change it up. I, I, let's, we've hit on the let's left start pretty the hard right. tonight. We'll start on let's the right. Let's start the right because it's a crisis. Millions of immigrants are flooding across our border, intent on voting for Nancy Pelosi and taking your jobs. Yeah, I think I think that's a l- that's definitely hyperbolic. There yeah. are m- a lot of them coming across the border. Sure, or enough that I agree very much with Trump's framing of it as a national emergency. But I don't like the precedent it sets. Well, here's the thing: the Constitution expressly forbids using the military for domestic law enforcement. Now, I'm not entirely sure where the legal loopholes are. I'm not mm-hmm. a lawyer. Which is why Nan- Antifa has Portland. True. Um, would border duty count as domestic duty? Uh, would it count as domestic law enforcement? It, it feels that, like once they hit American it, soil, 
it's a law enforcement issue. Yeah. Meanwhile, we've got military Past- military operations going on down there now. Yeah. So is the use of the military a violation of the Constitution? And is it, it depends on whether I would say it depends on is someone an American so once they're on American soil an American citizen. I don't because think we've the, had that law for many, many, many years. Exactly. Because the issue the issue then becomes is do you treat the border as once they're across, it's an American citizen, it's a law enforcement issue, which the law should apply to, American law shouldn't apply to everyone. That's well, a bit ridiculous. Maybe, but that also raises an important, important point. Do immigrants get rights in our court system? Do they get the same constitutional rights you and I get in our court system? And if not, who decides what rights they get? See, it becomes... After that, I think it becomes an issue of morality. Does it? Like, it sounds like an issue of law. If they it, don't have constitutional law rights, and morality in in and of themselves, scrap the morality. Um, you know, you scrap that. If they don't have constitutional rights, what rights do they have? And that's something I don't hear a lot of people asking: is if we're not protecting immigrants it, under the Constitution, what are we protecting them under, if anything? That's actually a very good question. I don't think. I don't think either side has brought that up. I wonder why. It's probably because it's an intelligent question. Mm. And talking heads and politicians don't... I'm not entirely sure are capable of critical thought. Um, we really don't... We're not sending D.C. our best. To quote, That's fair. To quote an unnamed politician. I mean... <laughs> career politicians don't have real world experience. Career politicians are... I'm surprised to have sentience, but... We won't go on that rant again. Um... But that's a very interesting question I have is, um, are these immigrants able to utilize our court system and our constitution? If not, what recourse do they have? It is absolutely not, um, I don't feel should be a hot button issue. By the view of the left, it seems like these people are just being detained, go, are sped through the court system as if they, as if they are American citizens and then sent back home. And that's the thing. Do they have the right to an attorney? Do they have the right to remain silent? These do are they have these, these are questions I don't think anybody has asked. And if they have, they're probably written down somewhere. We'll have to look. And it up. I'm definitely some. I'm definitely interested in that because if you're going to treat the border as if anyone acro- anyone who crosses it is an American citizen and thus they are subject to the rights and privileges provided by the Constitution. Then it's not an immigration problem. Then it's <laughs> not an immigration problem. It's a law problem. But if we're going to treat immigrants as if they are not American citizens, thus they are not subject to the rights and privileges provided by the Constitution, then that's a very thin line to how badly can we treat these people. Exactly. Personally, if they're like MS-13 gang members or people that are or generally cartel members, I'm fine with you shooting them in the head. Well, um, actually, I had an idea, which would be um, the worst punishment I can think of. Put them in a private company-run POW camp. Hmm. Like the people who run the prisons. Those guys know how to make people suffer. That's what I say. If if there is a war on the border, where are the POW camps? If we capture cartel and MS-13, why not put them in one of these private prison company POW camps 
uh, but until we sort out you know whether we win or lose this war on our border. Yeah. Why not do that? Well, that's the worst thing I can think of. If I go to jail, man, I don't want to be in no private prison. That's bad stuff. And people are making tons of money off of it. Mm-hmm. The worst of the worst. We're talking MS-13 cartel members, verified criminals. Put them in a private run camp. Then what? That, you might be able to liken up to a, a pretty rough camp. Still not a concentration camp. Um, just, you know, food in a bag. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Eeh. I don't, I don't even know if I'd wish that on them. But that's uh, prison reform. We'll talk about that later, too. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's probably later. another episode. And I'd need to look into that, because that's definitely... We graduated I'm college in Huntsville. It I'm has ed- seven prisons. I'm ill-educated. Apparently. God, this man shares the same degree as me. Folks, I'm going to need some mental health. Anyway, you just you know, a little shaken in my confidence in my own diploma now. <laughs> that aside... Um, it's it's interesting to say that we definitely need some sort of immigration reform. First, oh, we yeah. need to clearly have defined what rights the immigrants we need, have. We need to define, first, what rights do these people have? Uh, would they be considered inalienable rights? Exactly. Would they be considered inalienable rights? Pun only do, kind of intended. Do they... Res- <laughs> Uh, you should see the look he's shooting at me, people. It's be- it's beautiful. Is there something that are there? Should we adopt their own country's system of justice for dealing with them? Seems complicated. Or should we apply our own? I think that's something that needs to be answered. Does it tie up a court system that's already allegedly backlogged? Exactly. That's another question. That's a major issue. Um, do immigrants have the right to a trial by jury? That's something I don't think anyone's answered because I, I was watching a clip from Adam Ruins Everything. Don't watch it. I don't ever plan to. Uh, that basically was like it was a ju- It was a skit. It was a judge with a line of immig- of illegal immigrants and standing in front of her. She's like deported, 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 deported. It, it no trial, no jury, no hearing, no hearing of testimony defense which would make it seem and this is probably falls within hyperbole that it's just as soon as these people cross once we catch them they're detained for a little while they go through our justice system and they get sent back sure I will not say however however it I think there's a something we need to say like if you immigrate illegally, you're breaking American law. Sure. The question isn't whether you're bra- you've broken the law. It's what rights do you have as someone who has broken the law? Well, that actually raises an interesting point. Is uh, I've been keeping up with the court battle um, that the administration, the current administration, wants to uh, deny asylum requests. Meaning that if someone's coming from Guatemala and they pass through what some could consider safe Mexico... To continue to the United States, that they are no longer legally under UN law considered asylum seekers. Because to seek asylum, you stop at the first safe place you get to. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's something that I don't think a lot of people have heard. Guatemala has signed a deal with the U.S. to become a safe third country. Mm-hmm. In, so basically, any asylum seek, if you seek asylum from anywhere, 
you have to go to the first safe country that you reach. Mm -hmm. That is where you will seek asylum from. So, any asylum seekers from places like Colombia, mm -hmm. Venezuela, sure. uh, uh, Brazil. Are there, these are people, there asylum seekers from Brazil? I, I would want to get out of Brazil. Yeah, you know what? No, I'll give you Colombia. I'll give you Venezuela. I don't know. Brazil, Brazil seems like it's got its own thing going on. Uh, but basically now, they have to stop in Guatemala. Because Guatemala has become a safe third country. What if they're running from Guatemala? Well, then <laughs> Guatemala is no longer a safe third country, and thus their deal is breached, and they're no longer a safe asylum state. But but if we if we take it down to the bare UN law, everyone who comes from Central America seeking asylum in the United States has to pass through Mexico. Is that a safe country? First of all, that's one thing to take into consideration. Is it a safe country? I, for those who can't see, I'm using no. air quotes. And second, if it is not, then does that mean legally we cannot deny them asylum when they reach the United States? Which the Trump administration is trying to stop asylum requests from flooding the system and all that good yeah. stuff. Yeah, I, I, I would think with Guatemala as a option, I would say no. Trump, the the administration had the current administration has legal recourse to deny asylum seekers. Since Guatemala is now a safe third option, okay. Should that change, that legal recourse goes away. Sure. Now that ties into another question: is we're in the age of caravans now. Mm -hmm. Massive groups of people are trying to storm the border or cross the border, depending on what caravan. You know, they're not all doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, it's not fair to generalize, but you've got these. Massive, massive groups of people who are not being looked after medically, who are not being governed in any way, um, who are, I mean, a rabble. Yeah. Either attacking border posts, which just happened a couple times, as Fox News will tell you, or who are just trying to find a better life, as CNN will tell you. Um, with these huge groups putting a, a massive strain on our border operations... We're in a new era of immigration. It's not just families slipping across like it used to be during the Obama years. Now, almost as if being defiant, you have huge groups of people all trying to apply for asylum at once, get across the border and claim asylum to get caught up in this legal system. Um, and not to beat a dead horse here, but again, if it's Which so bad and the concentration camps are so awful, I don't see why they're so anxious to get into them. I agree. But um, that aside... We're in a different era of illegal immigration. Yes, there were groups that crossed before, but you never heard about caravans. No. Uh, it, it feels like almost as if in defiance of Donald Trump, you've got these large groups of, of migrants. But if you consider that... How do we handle so many people and so many groups that almost feel like waves? Yeah. Um, and what do we do when... Our politicians are so committed to party and not to country that they won't ever, as far as I'm concerned, sit down and go, how can we practically solve this issue? The, the D.C. Well, should be considered just basically impotent mm -hmm. at dealing with this issue because it's become an identity issue, a politics issue. They're more worried about loyalty to party and to self and to constituency than they are about getting reelected than they are country. I agree. 
So with the government basically useless, shocker there, um, what can practically be done? I think the first thing that needs to be done in this in terms of this is we need to hold our politicians more accountable. <laughs> which for me means term limits. Absolutely, you get, absolutely. You get two terms, you're done. Sorry. He Senator like how do you pass a law like that when the people who sign such laws are the ones you're trying to limit? Yeah. We have our own so you'd, you'd infestation. Have to pa- you'd have to make it into a constitutional amendment. And that requires a constitutional convention, which opens which, up a whole well, lot of Pandora boxes. Yeah. Which uh, becomes an issue. Right. But the second thing, other than that, the only other thing we can do is reform our own immigration system because it is a lumbering beast that... Of government inefficiency? Yes. Um, Well, that tracks us into a couple of other things we've got going, which is um, Mm -hmm. how long are these people detained? In the percentage of people who are detained, how many people are actually criminals, sex traffickers, drug dealers, um, and how well are these numbers being tracked? Um, I feel like raw data, none of this... um, Hill pole type stuff. Yeah. Is very important to get a full understanding of our border crisis or border situation or definitely nothing wrong situation. Yeah. Depending on what side of the political aisle you're on. Where, I mean, we don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Nobody has come to the American people and said, here's the numbers. Here's what we're doing. Here's the number of families at, versus here's the number of drug traffickers. At least not to us. At least not to the public at large. Right. There was, there's been a few numbers that have come out, like 30% of the kids that come through aren't related to their supposed parents. And what happens to those kids? They get detained just like anybody else, and they're, they're separated from the parents. What happens to the kids that don't get caught? Are they trafficked? Are they dropped oh, yeah. off with a family member? I mean, we don't know. The we, problem with illegal immigration, as with it, as with there's any no illegal safety. thing, well, there's no safety, but there's no knowledge. It's illegal. They're not just going to post on Reddit exactly how the system works. We don't know what happens to these kids. They could be dead in a ditch somewhere. Mm-hmm. They could be with family. We don't know. Um, which is, the government might. Know. Which is amazing when you hear the left shriek and shout. Think of the children. These children are being separated from their parents, uh, and they don't even seem to realize that this is drop in the bucket to what comes across the board. Maybe, but then you also have the right who advocates using A-10s on immigrants. Like, you, you know, yeah. where where do we draw the moral line? Both sides of our political aisle have people who are so batshit crazy I think they're the ones who should get A-10. Um, it's why I stay on Facebook. And it's why I won't be on Facebook. That's why you get to manage our Facebook. Hooray. Yeah, because people don't want to hear my real opinions. Unless they listen to this. And, well, then it's just self-punishment. Yeah. But that being said, we have no... We don't know what we don't know. Yep. So that in mind, we have to consider that maybe the people who are rabble-rousing, shrieking for use of force or let everybody in, I, I think it's safe to say that none of these people actually has any idea what they're talking about. The pro-border, the anti-border, it's like watching two complete idiots fight. Yeah. 
Because people who know things about the situation tend to come down you know, somewhere in the middle. The loudest people tend to be the dumbest. And, and so, yeah. that in mind, I have a hard time. Think of the children. Military strike. These are the choices that these pundits give us. Um, I think it's something we should really take into consideration, is that these people are dictating the future of their respective parties. Mm-hmm. It's not good. We should definitely be worried about it. Um, just my thoughts. So, I think one thing that we need to do, mm-hmm. seriously, is, as I mentioned earlier, immigration reform. Mm-hmm. We need to change how we do who our system of immigration because our system of immigration is from the early 20th century, if I... At least that's the most modern update I can remember to it. Uh, I'm not and that sure. was I'm, when yeah. people were flooding into Ellis Island. Yeah, I'm not wise up enough on that yeah, to, to uh, say definitively. So uh, I, I'll let that one go. I but I think, I think Trump's idea of... Trump's idea of a lottery system, or not the lottery system, the, um, like, uh, it's sort of the Australian or New Zealand system, Uh where we say, okay, we need this many doctors, this many lawyers, this many people, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, how many people coming from Mexico or any of those things, though? And that's the issue, is if you do it this way, you get the best and the brightest, Sure, which we deserve. Which which they come to... Most of them come to America anyway. And I feel like a lot of those types of people are going to be coming from Asia. You know, China, India... That's true. Japan. But we can... But there's not a doubt in my mind that you could find people intelligent and savvy in any country. The issue is that when they come here, they stay here. They don't go back. Well, and that's another thing. That's one thing that I think no amount of immigration reform or anything else will change. People will come, intelligent people, the most, the smartest, the popu- the politicians, the smartest, is go-getters, the most ambitious, come, go to places where they can be successful. And they know they can be successful. And that's a smart move. The issue is they don't ever take what they've learned... And return to their places of origin and say, all right, this is what's wrong with our system. This is how we fix it and make their countries better. But why is that our problem? It's not. But it's a problem that leads, that sort of segues into the major problem of illegal immigration is because, because these people don't go back. They don't fix the problems in their country. Meaning the people, the poorest of the people, of the people in their country suffer more or because they're under corrupt and horrifying rule very often mm-hmm. so they leave so so they leave because the best and the brightest aren't building their country up or are caught up within the system such that they can't help at all okay so what makes you think that immigrants who come here and learn better hospital technique are going to be able to go back to I'm going to pick a random country China or I'm going to pick India there's a lot of people from India here, and uh, honestly, they're all great people. Um, everyone I've met very happy to talk about things. I had a lot of professors who were from India. Why should they? They come here. They have lives. They have kids. They have families. They live in a place where when you hit the light switch, light comes on. Why in the hell would they want to go back? 
for the good of their country that they no longer... You swear an oath of citizenship to the United States. When you do that, you're an American. This is your country. Why would they want to go back? Would you? No. And especially if you're fighting a corrupt system that hates you. Yeah, that's the issue. So you, that, that's a can't, major issue. We can't legitimately expect these people to risk their lives, their livelihoods, it is their a, families to go back to a country that's going to hate them for what they do. It, it's an endless and very vicious cycle that I don't think one. It's not a one size fits all problem, and well, here's it's where, I come where off. the government very much is not equipped to deal with it. Here's where I come Any off as cold. Given who cares about those places. We get their best, we get their brightest, they make our country better. Why is it our job to care about those countries? If they wanted it's to be not. if they wanted to be better, they would do something to get those people back. But they don't. And so they come here and they live great lives and they raise families who honestly, let's be real, who don't work believe. harder and do better than most of us. That's very true. And make our country better. Mm-hmm. Screw those other places. That that's why should I care about a country that doesn't want to fix itself? I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm pointing out the uh, one of the issues that leads to the major le- leads to illegal immigration. They call it the well, brain drain. Then that's the other thing. Well, and I've heard of the brain drain. I'm very familiar with it. But I don't see why it's our problem. Make ourselves it's, stronger. Make them weaker. We benefit off of something that they were too corrupt, um, not equipped for, or just generally too. Dis- unstable to use. Why shouldn't we take it and use it? I'm not saying we're not using them. Well, we're no, absolutely, we absolutely, we absolutely are. are. But I'm saying that the fact that they don't go back is an issue that causes that's sort of causing illegal immigration. Maybe, but it's somebody else's issue. For illegal immigration, we are not... Well, you know what? That's not fair to say. I'm sure we actually have a fair amount of doctors and such from Mexico. I don't actually know. No, I'm saying, why. Sure. Why not? Let's say we do. But why not a system of immigration that if someone wants to come be an American, we let them? And here, here's my pitch for that. Pass the citizenship test. Pass an English test. Pass an English test and be able to tell us what Ben Franklin was famous for and you're in the club. Here's your card. You're an American now. Um, also, if you send... And, and here's what I'll do to complement that. Why are funds outside of the country? 25% tax. I can see that. that and that, and be... that's how we conquer illegal immigration. And, and here's what I'm, I mean by that is illegals don't pay their fair share. Fair enough. They come here. They work. They Why do they work here? They work to send money home. 25% tax. Now, if you're a legal citizen sending money overseas, no tax. If you don't want any questions asked, 25% tax. And in that tax, we use it to reform our immigration system. Now, yes, it's absolutely, and someone somewhere on Twitter will say, you're exploiting the lower class. Absolutely. But in exchange, it incentivizes those people to seek legal citizenship. To call any American lower classes. Well, (laughs) illegal immigrants. It's sort of insulting to the lower class. That circles around to, are illegal immigrants Americans? That that does genuinely circle back to... Right. So, 25% tax for anyone who doesn't provide citizenship documentation. 25% tax on whatever they send. With that money, we use it to overhaul the illegal the immigration system to allow looser regulations on letting people in. Speak English, pass the citizenship test, which is actually pretty hard. Your average high schooler actually can't pass it. Yeah. I got an 82. I'd make it. I'm just saying. 
Um, because it's mostly history. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the, the deck was stacked a little on that one. But to ref- we fund the reform of the immigration system off of the backs of the people who are here illegally. Yeah. And when we do that, they have a choice. If they go and they become American citizenships and they swear their allegiance and they pass the test, which we should make cheap, you know, then they don't have to pay their 20% tax. If they continue to be here illegally, we charge them 20% tax. And if an illegal comes into a hospital or anything else, those medical charges get billed to the account where that tax money goes. That way, they're looked after, they're cared for, they don't die of, like, dysentery in the United States, but they have an incentive, a carrot. The stick is the tax. The carrot is you can be an American citizen. And if you stay here for three years and keep your nose clean, you can submit a form to bring your family Honestly, that's not a bad idea. That's by, because we're smart people. Give that to D.C. and somehow there'll be execution squads for looking at them funny. Any idea that goes through the D.C. meat grinder gets bastardized. That's very true. But that's how I would do it, is I would tax outgoing money mm-hmm. and use that tax money to reform the immigration system. Yeah. To give people incentives. Because honestly, we have room. We, we do. have room. We have right now, we have jobs. We Whether do. now who's responsible for the boom in the economy, whole another thing. Point Lord is, God. we have it now, and these people Ugh. are willing to work hard. They're willing to do things that we are not willing to do. That's yeah. always been the argument. So why not give them the path to citizenship? That's mm-hmm. where I agree with the left. However, there should be a stick. That's the carrot. The stick is if you choose to stay here legally and work tax free, that's fine. Because I highly doubt most illegals fill out a W two. But when you send that money home, there's a twenty. The government's taking twenty percent. Let's make it twenty five. Whatever comparable is to an upper middle class person. Yeah. You want the tax to hurt a little, so that they have incentive to go pursue legal citizenship. But there needs to be a path for it, mm-hmm. not just a hey, sign up and put yourself on a list for no nefarious regions while a piece of tape kind of falls off an ICE thing in the background. Right. No, there, there needs to be a path to citizenship because if we give them an easy path to citizenship, we don't have to divert the hundreds of millions of dollars it is to try to keep them out. Yeah. And, and I don't feel like this system would be that expensive. Yeah. You'd probably be down online. But my point being, the tax, I think, would be a good way to pay for illegal so they're not living this invisible subculture. Thing. Yeah. And dying of diseases that could be prevented, but also so they can be Americans. The left argues that these are Americans who just aren't documented. This gives them a chance to be Americans. So that if a regime change comes around and Donald Trump on steroids comes around and goes, deport everyone who wasn't born here, they are legal citizens. Yep. Otherwise, we keep the system that's in place, and these people live in fear every day that some hard ass like Donald Trump gets elected, and they don't make it to work that day. I mean, Obama was probably Obama was definitely more of a hard ass than Trump. Not publicly. Not publicly. The of thing course. is, they never saw it coming when Obama did it. At least with Trump, they have some warning. Got to give him that. The man's not going to keeping his plans quiet. That's fair. But my my point is that if they had a path. They could take that path. Yeah. If we continue to keep them as some kind of invisible underclass, mm-hmm. they're going to continue to be a political scapegoat, political whipping boy. Families are going to get separated. People's lives are going to be crushed. Yeah. Um, 
there needs to be a viable path to citizenship. However, there needs to be, once that path is established, there needs to be um, the stick. Yeah. As I keep saying, the stick. Um, Carrot versus the stick. Yeah. Right. They can be citizens yeah. or they can be taxed. Yeah. And I think that hitting someone in the wallet is a very Ameri- the most American way to handle the situation. Absolutely. You can either be a citizen or you can hand over a good chunk of your money. America. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that would be the solution I would use. And then you have no need for detention centers. If we catch you, great. <laughs> Choose deportation or fill out this form. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like that would be the way I would go about it. Now, the logistics could be complicated. The logistics that- are complicated, but further, I see another problem. That the use the use and abuse of children. Oh boy. Okay. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a issue. Well, I think. Do they need to use and abuse children if there's a path to citizenship? The kids are being used as, look, I have a child, give me asylum. If, yeah. If you could just be caught by the Border Patrol and be, here's your plane ticket or here's your form, um, why do you need a child? That does present an issue that definitely stops child trafficking. Oh, stops? No. Because no. There's still but, some sick, sick people in the world. That's but true. It definitely gives it less of an incentive. Yeah. Like it I definitely de-incentivizes trafficking children across the border. I believe that anyone who wants to be an American should have the chance, so long as they're willing to speak our language, learn our culture better than most of our asshat teenagers, and keep their nose clean. Yeah. Now, a jail conviction, like, uh, we'll say felony. A felony, you do your time and you're out, out of the country. A misdemeanor, eh, class B and below, speeding ticket, blah, 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 class yeah. B bomb threat, I think, I don't know. You know, do your jail time and go back to doing whatever you're doing. Class A, misdemeanor, case by case. But the point is, keep your nose clean, here's your path. Mm -hmm. And it it should be something. Like I said, if you have that pathway, you eliminate a lot of things. The the need for people to become drug mules. Yeah. um, The The, need for people to bring children that aren't theirs. um, A lot of things. And, And, as an added bonus, you take a chunk out of the cartel. Oh, yeah. Because they make a lot less money smuggling immigrants. Smuggling which is people one of their over. rackets. Yeah. Um, that's right up there with marijuana legalization. That hits the cartels' bottom line, too. I think too. Just drug legalization in general would kill the cartels. Either you kill the cartels with it, or they become legitimate businesses, which means they're under regulation by our, by any government. Which I feel like they would almost prefer. Yeah, but I agree. Let, 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 I'll indulge that but sidebar. That, I'll indulge that sidebar, and let's say we legalize all the drugs tomorrow. But subject to... Um, subject to the FDA and CDC. Right. Um, like any sort of medication. So they get, they get outpriced by Jim Bob's meth down the road. Um, the cartels lose power. The cartels lose money. What does that equal in Mexico? A new revolution. A new system of power. Because <laughs> maybe the solution is just to let the junkies get high. That's a maybe terrible thing to For the record, terrible thing to say. I'm all for um, rehabilitation. Drugs are bad stay in school however that wouldn't take out the cartels now is it feasible no is it practical no will it ever happen not as Probably long as not. not as long as pharmaceutical companies can keep making billions of dollars on pharmaceutical cocaine looking at you Ritalin um, and other things oh good lord <laughs> that 
That's another episode in and of itself. Oh, yes. The opioid epidemic. Just big pharma. We'll just we'll just big pharma. We could go for hours. But my point being, the cartels make their money because their product is illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, while it's interesting to indulge the fantasy, as long as big pharma pretty much owns our country, we have our own drug cartels. They just happen to have fancy logos and suits. Yeah. Um, and they won't shoot you. They'll just addict you. Mm. I mean, that's better, right? Depends on your definition of better. Who needs the medicine? The voices are my friends. <laughs> um, that aside, uh, I think we're rounding out to uh, yeah, I agree. To about where we're at. Um, do you have anything you'd like to close on? Uh, no. Oh, uh, follow us on, uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Both are Academic Alehouse. Uh, Twitter does have a weird thing though. Twitter is the weirdest thing. It did not have the E. So it's Academic Alehouse sans the E. Well, why didn't you make it German then? Academic Alehouse, H-A-U-S. I don't know how to spell house in German. H-A-U-S. Well, now I know. Well, then fix it. I can't fix it. <laughs> I are, don't are, know are, Twitter that well. Wow. You're our social media guy, huh? Yeah. I don't even like social media, and I think you're just not. No, no. Fix it. Damn it. See what I deal with, people? This is what I deal with. He's in charge of everything that gets us to you, and it's like it's being run by Sergeant Schultz. If you don't get that reference, don't talk to me. <laughs> All right, I think I think we're done. <laughs> <laughs> I think the beer's kicking in. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so that being I... said, um, I've really enjoyed having this talk. Um, I look forward to hearing from Clayton what your opinions are on Twitter. I need to heavily emphasize I'm not going to read your comments. I have a disdain for most people who regularly use social media. I'm talking about you. You don't like it? Tweet about it. You can't hurt me. (laughs) Yeah, but our Facebook and Twitter are always open. Uh, Do not have Snapchat or Instagram. I don't think we're... You will never photograph me. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be super eager to photograph each other. Her, um, I know about the spy camera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there will probably be a shot this week. I don't know what it will be about, but there will probably be a shot this week. And it'll be for Pam. It'll be for me. I might force him to do it. Uh, do I have to? Our viewers probably like me about as much as I like them. Are they called viewers or do we call them listeners? Eh, know. we'll do viewers. Is that what they're calling it on the streets? Like, I don't know. We'll do viewers. Whee! This uh, program made possible by viewers like you. Is that trademarked? I think so. Crap. <laughs> but it's PBS, so who knows? What are they going to do about it? Watch. I'm That's gonna fair. It. I'm going to get a freaking injunction tomorrow. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We're both our academic alehouse. Look forward to a shot sometime this week. And then tune in next Monday, next Monday, when we record another episode. Over what? We don't even know. Not yet. I'll probably throw a Facebook post out there when we've decided. Alright. So, in that case, thank you all so much for listening. I hope you had a wonderful time, and enjoy the rest of your day.